You're listening to the podcast of Christ Walk Church in Fernandina Beach, Florida, where we exist to inspire people to follow Jesus every day. We hope that these messages encourage and challenge you to live for something more. If you'd like to know more about our church, you can find us online at thechristwalk.com. Thanks again for listening. Now here's today's message. What's up, Christ Walk? How's everybody doing today? So good to see you guys. I'm excited about today. I can just feel that the Lord is already at work and that he is going to do some incredible things in some hearts and lives today. If you got your Bibles, you got a smart device, why don't you turn with me or swipe with me to the New Testament. Um, we're going to go five books in, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. We're going to land in the book of Acts chapter 2 and we will be there in j- just a minute. Excuse me. Um, have you ever been? Uh, have you ever been watching TV? Perhaps um, maybe you know late in the evening uh, after traditional programming has gone off and and gotten sucked into one of those infomercials before. You know, you can be honest. It's okay. We're among friends. We're among friends. An infomercial, in case you're not aware, is it's a long commercial that informs or instructs typically about the use of a particular product or set of products, most often in what they would claim to be an entertaining manner. Like maybe once upon a time you got yourself sucked into watching an infomercial about the George Foreman grill, right? I mean, how else would Michael Scott cook his bacon and burn his foot in the morning? The people that laughed at that, y'all are my people. (laughs) Or the total gym, because that's the secret behind the success of Chuck Norris and how he became the baddest man on the planet, the total gym. Or or maybe it was OxyClean, the power of oxygen at work in your laundry. Or perhaps you watched 30 minutes of Proactive, talking about how you can get rid of all of those unsightly zits and blackheads. Or maybe it was Suzanne Summers, somewhere in between Three's Company and Step by Step, advertising the Thigh Master. I'm not really sure. The Shake Weight. I've seen some of your garages. You have this on a shelf out there. Don't deny it. Why? Why was this a thing? Why? Raise your hand if you have a Snuggie. Anybody? You fell for the trap. It's just a bathrobe worn backwards. That's all it is. You watched the infomercial and you paid the money to get one. Uh, maybe uh, if you're in my age group, I can remember the one that I always watched was the Ginsu 2000. You know, for those times you need to slice a tomato and saw a lead pipe in half. You got to have the Ginsu 2000. Or if you go way back, maybe you remember the infomercial for the clapper. The clapper, be careful, we have some installed here. I don't want the... The clapper, for you young people um, in the audience, the clapper was Alexa before Alexa was Alexa. It was, and, and come on, the jingle, clap on, clap off, clap on, clap off, the clapper. And then it would show some old decrepit lady getting in bed, and she'd go, and the lights would go out, and that's how the infomercial ended. It was amazing. 
And there's a lot of, there's a lot of phrasing that, that common phrasing that gets tossed about in these infomercials, you know, because they, they want to make these products to seem super important. Like you've got to have them. And so they will remind you with things like not available in stores. Or they want to convince you of how good it is. And so they'll, they'll say that there is a money back guarantee. Or that this product can be yours for only three easy installments of $19.99. Call now. Operators are standing by. My goodness, that makes me sound so old. Call now, operators are standing by. They would always cut to the room, you know, like the lady with the little headset, um, like she's an air traffic controller or whatever, ready to fulfill your Gensu 2000 and Snuggie order. Ron Popeil, he coined the phrase, said it and forget it. That's how easy it was to use his products. And then perhaps the most popular, it was often a sales tactic, a gimmick that you saw in typically every infomercial out there. But wait, there's more. Right, you guys know it. But wait, there's more. They would build up and you would think that you're getting right to the point where, where the sale is getting ready to happen and, and that, that they've shown you every single thing this product does, everything that it comes with. But then they would say, but wait, there's more. There's more than meets the eye with this product. See, you, you would think that it's only good for A, B, C, but little did you know, it also does X, Y, Z. And it's this one phrase, but wait, there's more, that is not only meant to sell you on the product, but to help to ensure that you get the very most out of using it. And I believe that there are a lot of Christ followers that are kind of in this same position today. There's a lot of people as I look around that they are, they are saved. They are 100% committed to Jesus. They attend church, they serve, they give, they read their Bible and they pray. They're trying to be good and trying to do good so that one day they'll make it to heaven. And I believe that they are going to be there. But yet they're missing out on something so much more in the interim. They are only experiencing a a small portion of what a relationship with Jesus offers the believer otherwise. But wait, there's more. See, I've come to realize and understand and and believe for myself that, that we don't serve a halfway kind of God, right? Anybody else experience that? We don't serve a halfway God. We serve a God that that gives us things in all of its fullness. In fact, the words of Jesus say as much, John 10, 10, arguably my favorite passage of scripture says that a thief, he's talking about the enemy, our enemy, the devil, the thief comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. But I came, Jesus came to give life, life in all its fullness, not just a little bit, in all of its fullness, pressed down, shaking together, overflowing. That's the kind of experience that Jesus came to offer those who would believe on him. And this is why we've issued a call 
to those in our community. Perhaps you saw it on the big green banner out front as you pulled up. We've, we've issued the call. Live for something more because there is so much more. That is the kind of life that is afforded to us through the person and work of Jesus Christ and the power of his Holy Spirit. And so today on Pentecost Sunday, I want to talk to you about just that in a message that I have maybe appropriately titled, but wait, there's more. But wait, there's more. And in case you were wondering, no, we haven't given up on our DNA series. In fact, we just finished up with the first four of our eight core values. And next Sunday, we will pick up with number five and continue on through all eight of them. But I believe that it's important, particularly in light of what today is all about, for us to take a brief pause from that series and focus in more closely on this topic of the Holy Spirit. And please keep in mind that this is no interruption, but rather our discussion today is all about the very foundation of each of our values as a church and and the source or the vehicle through which you and I will be able to live out those values as examples to the world around us. And so you've turned to Acts chapter 2, or maybe you've gone there on your smart device We're going to start in verse 1, and we're going to read those first four verses together. I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. It says, On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. There were about 120 of them that were gathered together at this point. Verse 2, it says, Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house Where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages. Or perhaps your translation says, began speaking in other tongues as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. Now, this is a very unique Uh, happening here in the scriptures. And it's important for us to understand what the day of Pentecost is even all about. As as we say here in the church, you know, we're celebrating Pentecost Sunday. Well, what does that mean? Or we hear things about Pentecost. And by the way, if you weren't aware, this is a Pentecostal church. And we will get more into that as we move along today. Um, But what is this day of Pentecost all about? And what exactly does it mean? Well, the day of Pentecost, it's actually the Greek name for the Jewish festival that was known as the Feast of Weeks, which celebrated the end of the grain harvest. And Pentecost, or the Feast of Weeks, it actually, it took place 50 days after Passover. Penta meaning 50. And so it takes place 50 days after Passover. And you may remember Passover from the book of Exodus when the, the, um, the Hebrews, they were, they were trying to get out of Egypt. And uh, they had killed the lamb and taken the blood and smeared it on the doorpost so that the death angel would pass over them and not kill the firstborn 
for those that had the blood of the lamb on their doorpost. Well, Jesus himself, we fast forward all the way from Exodus to the New Testament. Jesus was killed on Passover. He was crucified on Passover. And it is through that sacrifice, through the blood of the, the lamb that was shed on the cross, that, that you and I, we, we are given life through that sacrifice of Jesus. That when that blood of the lamb is applied to our lives, it allows us to escape the punishment of, of, of sin and death and have eternal life in heaven. Those two things mirror each other. And not only that, but Pentecost where we see this transition taking place from the Feast of Weeks to this, this happening of Pentecost. Pentecost actually signals the establishment of the church here on earth. So you are sitting here, we are gathered together here in this place or watching online, all because of what took place this Feast of Weeks or what we've come to know as the Day of Pentecost. And Jesus said himself that this would happen. Matthew 16, 18, Jesus says, now I say to you, he's talking to Peter, one of his disciples, I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock I will build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. Jesus is telling his disciples, one day the church is going to exist. I'm going to build it through you, and the powers of hell, the gates of hell, will not prevail against it or will not conquer it. And so there's, there's three important things, I believe, for us to note when we're talking about the day of Pentecost and the establishment of the church. If you're taking notes, maybe you want to write these down. Um, three important things when we're talking about the, the establishment of the church on the day of Pentecost. So the, the establishment of the church through the day of Pentecost or on the day of Pentecost was, number one, a fulfillment of promise. It was a fulfillment of promise. We go all the way back to, um, to the Old Testament, to the book of Joel, in chapter 2, verses 28 through 32. It says, Then, after doing all of those things, or, uh, or perhaps in the last days in which we are living, he says, Then, after doing all of those things, I will pour out my Spirit upon people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, your old men will dream dreams, and your young men will see visions. In those days, I will pour out my spirit even on servants, men and women alike. And I will cause wonders in the heavens and on the earth, blood and fire and columns of smoke. The sun will become dark and the moon will turn blood red before that great and terrible day of the Lord arrives. But everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Then we fast forward to the New Testament. Shortly before the passage we read in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 1 verse 4, it says, once when he was eating with them, he commanded them. This is Jesus talking to his disciples. Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised, as I told you before. 
John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So we have this, we have this Old Testament prophecy that this is going to take place. Jesus mentions it several times in the Gospels, talking about the comforter or the advocate that is going to come. And, and then right here in Acts chapter 1, before he, shortly before he ascends into heaven, he reminds the disciples, hey, this is getting ready to happen. And you are going to be baptized. You are going to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And that is what is going to launch the church. The church will be established on the day of Pentecost as a fulfillment of promise. Number two, the church was established on the day of Pentecost as uh, it was it was fueled by power. The establishment of the church on the day of Pentecost was fueled by power. Acts chapter one, verse eight, Jesus tells the disciples, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. I can remember as a kid uh, growing up, every Christmas Eve we would gather at my grandparents' house to exchange gifts, and I am the oldest of four grandsons. And so um, under the tree every Christmas Eve, for the longest time that I could remember, many, many years in a row, the, the four of us grandsons, we would all have two gifts that looked identical. They were the same size and shape and wrapped the same way. And every year, my grandparents, they would get each of these. This happened for many years in a row. They would get us either um, the Hess or the Wilco trucks. Some of you know what I'm talking about. The Hess or Wilco, they would put out a different special edition uh, toy vehicle um, that was a collector's item. And so every year for Christmas, all four of us grandsons, we would get one of those from our grandparents. And then along with that, there would also be another tiny little package, four of them identical, one for each grandson that was wrapped. And we would unwrap it and there were batteries on the inside. And we would always make fun of my grandmother. Why are you wrapping the batteries and everything, you know, but she just wanted us to have as many things to open as possible. And I can tell you that those trucks in and of themselves, they were super cool. I still have a bunch of them. They're, they're stored away in the attic. Some are at my parents' house. They were super cool, so much fun to play with. But when you put the batteries in, I mean, they lit up and there were sounds and everything, and, and they came to life. And, and when I think about that, I, I, I think about as it equates to our faith, like saving faith in Jesus, it's pretty awesome, right? Would anybody agree? Saving faith in Jesus is pretty awesome. But you know what? It's even better with the power of the Holy Spirit living it out in all of its fullness. And so the the establishment of the church, you and I, as followers of Jesus Christ, we're given access to this power that came upon the believers on the day of Pentecost. And and it's, it's power, but power on purpose. It's power on purpose. We, we were given power to be the church, first of all, to, to live lives that honor God. And, and it's through the fruit that is born out of the presence of the Holy Spirit. It's identifying characteristics that take place due to the presence of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer. In Galatians chapter 5, Paul writes about this and he says, But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. 
So you need to understand that first and foremost, that, that wherever the, the Spirit, when, when, when we have been filled with the Spirit as believers, a, a good indicator to know whether or not that has happened is, is the fruit of the Spirit present? Because the fruit of this, of the, the, the fruit that the Spirit produces are these nine things. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And so if there's an area of our lives that we're not necessarily exemplifying those kinds of things, then that is an area of our lives that at that moment may not be or probably isn't fully surrendered to the work and the movement of the Holy Spirit in and through us. And it is those, it's those fruit that are born, that are produced in our lives through the work of the Spirit in us that become attractive to the people that are outside the church. Because they see those things happening. And man, there's something different about that person that I gotta find that out. I just wanna be around them. They behave differently. They, they act differently. They respond differently in different situations than other people that I normally come in contact with. It's because the Spirit has empowered us. When we are filled with the Spirit, we're given power to be the church and bear the fruit that the Spirit produces in our lives. But not only is it power to be the church, it's power to build the church. Power to build the church, to to point others in the direction of Jesus. Because when we are empowered with the Holy Spirit, when we are filled with the Spirit, not only are we, we producing this fruit, but we're also given these gifts. The Bible talks about spiritual gifts that we are given, that are talents or abilities that are enabled to people through the operation of the Holy Spirit in their lives. 1 Corinthians 12, verses 4 through 11, Paul writes this. He says, there are different kinds of spiritual gifts But the same spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. Verse 7, a spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. He's talking about building the church. To one person, the spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same Spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The same Spirit gives great faith to another and to someone else. The one Spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles and another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another Spirit. And still, another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages or or tongues, while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. It is the one and only Spirit who distributes all these gifts, and He alone decides each gift each person should have. So the establishment of the church on the day of Pentecost was a fulfillment of promise. It was fueled by power, empowering us to both be the church and build the church. And then number three, the establishment of the church on the day of Pentecost was for a purpose. It wasn't just because it was something really cool that happened. It happened for a reason. The establishment of the church on the day of Pentecost was for a purpose. John chapter 20, verses 21 and 22. Again, he said, this is Jesus talking to the disciples. He said, peace be with you. 
as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Then he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 1 verse 8. We read the first part earlier. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And... You will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And I love this quote from my pastor, John Morgan, at Restoration Church in Jacksonville. He says, the Spirit is given not for our enjoyment, but for our employment. The Spirit is given not for our enjoyment, but for our employment. A lot of us, there are a lot of uh, people in Christian circles that they want to operate within the gifts of the Spirit because it's fun and it's exciting and it's cool, but they forget the fact that we've been empowered, we've been filled with the Holy Spirit for a purpose, to be His witness. So the result of the filling or the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer is to produce fruit or to bestow gifts. All that work together to use uh, as the power to witness to Jesus Christ. All these work together for the benefit of pointing people towards saving grace that can be found in the cross. It's the work of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer. It's never, ever, ever about drawing attention to ourselves, but rather always about pointing other people in the direction of Jesus. Period. It's never about look at me and look at what I have and look at what I can do. It's always about look at Jesus and what he has done for me. And the things that he has done for me are the things that he can do for you. That is what it's always about. So the early church was founded on this principle that subsequent to belief in Jesus and often after being baptized in water, that the believer would then receive the Holy Spirit. And somewhere in between what took place on the day of Pentecost and now, we've gotten a little loosey-goosey with kind of how things happen. And so let me just read some some passages of Scripture to you. I want to be sure that that we have a a foundational understanding before we move forward. There's so many things that I could say in this message, and it was very hard to call out to get to just the things that I really felt that I needed to say. But I promise we're, we're going somewhere. So hang with me. After the experience that the 120 had on the day of Pentecost that we read about in Acts 2, verses 1 through 4, Peter actually preaches a message. And and in that message, um, a little bit further down in Acts chapter 2 and verse 38, it says, Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So there he's kind of laying out this, these, these guiding principles for how the church and how believers 
uh, should operate, that, that we believe in Jesus for the forgiveness of sin. We are, we are baptized in water in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then, then we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And as the early church begins to unfold and, 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 and the, the gospel begins to spread and, and more are added to the church daily, we, we kind of walk through this progression of things that takes place in the book of Acts. If you've never spent any time reading the book of Acts, I would highly encourage you to go and, and, and read through it. There's some fascinating things in there in terms of how the, the church grew and developed, of which you are a direct result of today because you're here and you belong to a church. But we read in, in Acts 4, verses 29 through 31, it's part of a prayer that the believers are praying together. And it says in verse 29, And now, O Lord, hear their threats and give us, your servants, great boldness in preaching your word. Stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And after this prayer, the meeting place shook, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and then they preached the word of God with boldness. Moving along forward, Acts chapter 10, verses 44 through 46, even as Peter was saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who were listening to the message. The Jewish believers who came with Peter were amazed that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles too, for they heard them speaking in other tongues and praising God. We continue forward to Acts chapter 19, starting in verse 1 through 7. While Apollos was in Corinth, Paul traveled through the interior regions until he reached Ephesus on the coast, where he found several believers. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? He asked them. No, they replied. We haven't even heard there is a Holy Spirit. Then what baptism did you experience? He asked, and they replied, the baptism of John. Paul said, John's baptism called for repentance from sin, but John himself told the people to believe in the one who would come later, meaning Jesus. And as soon as they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And then when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke in other tongues and prophesied. There were about 12 men in all. Now, out of these instances where believers were filled with the Holy Spirit, and upon my reading and understanding of the scriptures, the, the typical or the normative response was that they spoke in other tongues. It's clear that in all times, there's some indicating factor that shows that people are being filled with the Spirit. And while not 100% of the time in scripture, the most often, the most normative, the most typical thing that we see when people are being filled with the Spirit is that they speak in other tongues. And it is outside of these references in Acts 2, 10, and 19 um, that, that in other places of the New Testament in his letters that, that Paul makes several references to speaking in tongues as well. And whenever we talk about this, especially if you don't come from a Church of God or a Pentecostal background, this is where people start to get a little bit uncomfortable. And there's a reason for that. There's actually a couple that I can come up with. The first one is because it's weird. 
It's weird. We can just say it. It's weird. It's okay. You know what? There's a lot of stuff in the Bible that's weird. It's odd. It's strange. It's mysterious. And most of us will go along with all of that up until the point that we get to Acts 2. And we're like, "Mm, I'm not too sure about that. We're cool with the bears coming out of the woods to kill the people that made fun of the prophet. But there were children, by the way. But when it comes to that whole Acts chapter 2, that speaking in tongues stuff, I don't know. But you're right. It's weird. It's odd. It's strange. It's mysterious. Here's the second reason people start to get uncomfortable. Because through the years, there's been a lot of well-meaning pastors and leaders that have made it out to be much more convoluted and complicated than it has to be. I'm not knocking those people because I've sat under some ministries where there there was genuineness and pureness of heart. It's because of they just desired something for those people that they were leading. And it was out of that that on accident, because we're flawed human beings, that sometimes... We just mess it up. That's why we get uncomfortable uncomfortable about it. But before we move any further, and I promise you I'm getting to a point here, let me be clear. This is my desire for Christ Walk Church and its people. I want us to be able to experience the things that are spiritual without them being spooky. Amen? Because we're the church where Pentecostal and charismatic churches have gotten it wrong for so long. And I consider myself as a a member, I'm rowing that boat with them, that we've made the spiritual out to be spooky and it just doesn't have to be. And we've turned people off in the process. I want us to experience the fullness of of, of the spirituality of God and and the, the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. But it doesn't have to be spooky. That's my desire. My experience is that I became spirit-filled with the evidence of speaking in other tongues in a church service one Sunday evening at the age of 13. So for 27 years now, some of you may not have even known that. Some of you have perhaps never heard me pray that way before. And it's because it's not something that I flaunt. It's not about, hey, look at me. But that's my testimony. I can remember... We went to Cracker Barrel that night because I guess the way that you celebrate being baptized in the Holy Ghost is with Uncle Herschel's breakfast. And I can remember like just being so caught up in the spirit. I just had to point at the menu like that was very real to me. And it's been an incredible relationship that I've shared with the Holy Spirit all these years. And it's those kinds of experiences to operate in his power to be the church and to build the church that I want for all of you as well. Number three, my hope is that we would never abuse the Holy Spirit by taking it lightly or demonstrating its power just because we can. I remember I had friends in high school, they knew that I was a crazy Pentecostal. And they'd be like, you speak in tongues? Have you ever spoken in tongues before? Yeah, sure. And they would say, do it. You want to hear it right now. 
Like, it doesn't exactly work that way. Never do it just because we can. It's not some sort of circus sideshow that we are a part of. The Spirit is a gift given to believers to be and to build the church. Time and time again, we see that you will be my witnesses. That's the point of it all. And here's my outlook on it. Here's perhaps the best way that I know how to explain it. Right now, there are radio waves flowing all around us. There's information that is being exchanged. There's, there are words that are being spoken, songs that are being sung. And we can't see them or hear them, but that does not negate the fact that they exist. And I could prove it because if I had a radio right now, I tuned in to the specific frequency of those waves that are bouncing around all around us, we, you and I, we would hear with great clarity exactly what was being communicated. And without trying to dumb it down and sell it short, the best way that I can explain it, the Holy Spirit kind of works in that way. The Spirit is always speaking, even though we may not be able to to see it or to hear it taking place. And to, to receive the Spirit, to be filled with the Spirit, is to tune in to that specific spiritual frequency. And then we become like the radio, and out of us comes what the Spirit is communicating through tongues and through praises and prophecy and proclamation of the Word because that's what happened in the Scripture. And we do this by simply acting on faith and believing for the Holy Spirit to fill us. And then we serve as the conduit for the voice or the message that the Holy Spirit is communicating. That's it. So in the few minutes that I have left, I want to talk to you about, really quick, six things we have to be in order to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I, I brought some friends with me here. This is you and me. This is just a glass. I got it at Dollar General. It was a dollar. It's not because we're cheap or anything. It was just, there you go. And this, y'all knew I was going to do it. This is the power of the Holy Spirit right here. Mm-hmm. Now, for us to be filled, then we got to get what's in here into in here. And so there's, there's kind of six postures that you and I have to take, six things, six ways that we position ourselves. And the first one of those is we've got to be open. We've got to be open. If we're living our lives this way, then no matter what I do, I could never get the contents of this bottle to be inside of this glass. So I say that to maybe let some people off the hook. You're not going to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You're not going to speak in tongues on accident. It's not something that you're going to slip and fall into. There's going to be intentionality about it. Because you're presenting yourself open 
to the Lord. You're not putting a lid or a covering that you're open to what he wants to do in your life. So some of you that still think it's weird and you're a little unsure, you can just breathe a sigh of relief, okay? There's nothing being forced on anyone, all right? But this is something that is available to you if you desire it. And it starts with you being open. Number two, you got to be empty. You'll see that there's nothing in this glass. That's how we know that it can be filled because it's empty. If it had a bunch of stuff in it, it would be full already and therefore could not be filled. If we want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, we got to get rid of self. We got to get rid of our agenda, our desires, our game plan. We get rid of self and we do just like that song that we sang earlier. We make room for the Holy Spirit to do what he wants to do in and through us. We got to be open. We got to be empty. Number three, we got to be near the source. I can't fill this cup up from right here. It would just make a big mess. It's never going to happen. So we have to be near the source. It's, we have to draw close to the Spirit. James chapter 4 says that if we'll come close to God, that, that God will come close to us. We can't get filled up from far away. We have to be sure that these things, that they're coming together. And so if you are living a life that is far away from God, the, the first step is to come close to Him. And then he will fill you with his Holy Spirit. You got to be open. You got to be empty. You got to be near the source. Number four, you got to be below the source. You can't fill up a cup like this. You got to be below the source. You got to get under the spout where the glory comes out. That's how it's got to happen. We approach the Lord in faithful humility how we come to him low, expectant, hungry, desiring. It's not about anything that we are owed. It's not about us being seen as, as more worthy or, or better somehow in the sight of God. It's just about us approaching the throne of grace. Number five. Be open, be empty, be near the source, be below the source. Number five, be still. Be still. I can't fill a cup like this. It's not going to happen. We got to get in that place where 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 we're where we're still and, and we're waiting on the. It might not happen instantaneously. There may be a process that we need to walk through and and God is going to develop us. He's going to teach us something in that process. It's not about the haves and the have-nots. It's just about remaining. There is something to remaining that I think we need to learn in the church today. We need to remain in the word. We need to remain in worship. We need to remain in prayer. We need to remain in service. We need to remain at one church over the long haul and quit hopping from here to there and everywhere in between. If that's this church, we want you here. If it's not, go find a place and light and put down roots and serve that pastor and be a part of that body. And, and get yourself there and open yourself to what the Spirit wants for your life. 
The reason things are the way that they are is because we're running to and fro so much, searching for that next big experience. And God is saying, I would pour out my spirit in you if you just get still and just remain. Then I could do something in your life. Be open, be empty, be near the source, be below the source, be still. And then number six, be willing to receive. God, whatever you have for me, I want it in all its fullness. That's what you're saying. And then by faith, receive it. Because it's there. That's it. That's it. So I'm getting ready to pray. And then I'm going to invite people forward to receive prayer. That those of you that are ready to be filled with the Holy Spirit, you're ready for maybe for the first time or, or maybe it's been a long time and you need it fresh and anew. Not trying to be weird, not trying to be spooky. I'm going to pray, and and as I'm praying, I need you to decide right now what you want. And if you're not ready, that's okay. Judgment for you, though. But if you are ready, the Spirit is here. It's being poured out. It's ready for you to take hold of and receive. We do that by faith. So as I pray, I want you to to decide what you're going to do. And at the close of the prayer, I'll give an invitation. The band's going to lead us in worship. We just pray together. Heavenly Father, we, we sense the power and the presence of your Holy Spirit in this place. God, even now, Lord, I can, I can see, I can feel you just breaking down barriers and softening hearts. God, in the solemnity of this moment, Lord, we commit, Lord, that that we want, God, we just want all of you. Lord, we want to be filled with your power so that we can proclaim the word of God with boldness, Lord, so that we can can prophesy, Lord, that, that we can praise you in a way that we've never been able to praise you before. Lord, all serving as a testimony, all serving as our lives as a witness to you and who you are and what you're wanting to do in and through us. So that others could be pointed in your direction as well. Lord, I pray that right now, Lord, that you would embolden your people with great faith. That you would raise their expectancy, Father. Lord, that you would tug on the hearts and tap on the shoulders of some people that that what they have is pretty good. But you want them to understand. But wait, there's so much more. God, so I pray that right now, Lord, that you would strengthen my faith and that I would combine my faith with theirs. Lord, and that this morning, Lord, that that those who are open, those who are willing, those who are ready, those who are hungry, those who are seeking, Lord, that you would pour out your spirit from heaven upon us. 
mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Christ Walk Church podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss out on future episodes. To find out more information about Christ Walk Church, including our service times, how to connect with us on social media, and the ministry opportunities we have for you and your family, simply visit our website at thechristwalk.com. Thanks again for listening, and don't forget, because of Jesus, the best is yet to come.